Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We especially want to thank you, Lord, that during this season, Lord, of leanness, of scarcity, of lockdown, of disease and despair that we see every day, you have kept us. Not because of anything that we are, because of who you are. Your hand of mercy, your hand of provision, your hand of power, your hand of strength was over us, O Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you for your provision in our lives. And I pray, Father, that hand would be there upon all your children everywhere. Especially I pray for our churches, Lord. Touch your people. Strengthen your people. Empower your people. And help them, Lord, to know that you are with them. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. We are standing on that bedrock of your faithfulness. A God who promised us you would never leave us. That's that's on which we stand, Lord. The rock that cannot be moved. You are that rock, Lord. And I pray you would touch the ears of your people, Lord, even today. All of us, Lord that we may hear what you have to say. And we'll use this time that you have given us. This is a time of restoration for the church. This is a time when you will repair the breach. This is a time where you will restore your spirit back to the church. It's a time you will answer the cry, the thirst and the hunger of your people. It's a time I pray your church will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come at this time into thy hands. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So now we, as we go to the ministry of the Word of God, I want you to turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 1. And we will read from verse 21 onwards. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Whenever I read that portion in Corinthians, it still gives me a kick. Because it makes me feel good I didn't finish my PhD. <laughs> but since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. And Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block. And to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ the power of God. And the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling brethren. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God 
and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Wow. 21 to 31 is a loaded gun. We can never run out of bullets if you have those 11 verses. <laughs> so God says that many are not called. Before we can be chosen, we need to be called. And if in this season too, if people have not heard the voice of God, maybe because we are too wise to be called. Maybe because we are too mighty to be called, to hear. Maybe we think we are too noble and therefore God does not speak to us. Maybe we are too strong. The God of love, remember love is very, very patient. The Lord waits. And brings us to that point where we can actually hear. There are two things here that really, really offends people. One is the foolishness of the message. The other thing is the foolishness of the cross. And you combine these two, you have Christ crucified. And we always ask, you know, why is the message of the cross so offensive? Because it leaves nothing for the flesh. Nothing for the self. It leaves literally nothing for the flesh. And that's why the message is offensive. Let me put across this way. Incredible man of God passed away. Two men of God passed away. One, everybody, most people knew. Another one, only very few knew. One was 90, the other was 74. A lot of people who are not even believers appreciated Ravi Zak. You know why they appreciated Ravi Zak? She was a mighty, this is a wonderful man of God. You cannot take it away from But they appreciated him because of his eloquence. I don't know how many people who heard him received the message he was trying to preach. He was incredibly eloquent. You see, I see two Indians. One was Ravi Zak on this side, Shashi Zarur on this side, and they almost sound the same except for what they are talking. You take the subject of both of them were incredibly eloquent. Eloquent. But the Bible also says when Paul came. You see, if Paul were to preach today, we wouldn't listen to him. His letters are very, very weighty. But his bodily presence, his speech, no? You see, there's something in us also that we like eloquent preachers. And uh, most of God's servants are not eloquent. And he does it that way. He, he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Hmm. I find it, uh, I mean, God's ways, who can understand who can understand? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 to 17 and then Ephesians 2, 8. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes in that message, it doesn't matter from which vessel it comes from. 
powerful vessel, powerless vessel, meaning in terms of eloquence. But in that message is the power of the gospel. To salvation for anybody who believes. First for the Jew, because it went to them first. And also for the Greek. Okay? The one who wants a sign, the one who wants wisdom. For in it, in the gospel, what is revealed, what you have to realize, whenever you hear the gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, whenever you hear the preaching from anybody, anywhere, what you have to look is that in this preaching is their deaths to self. Meaning in that a righteousness of God is revealed, which cannot be earned. The righteousness of God, which is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is revealed from faith to faith, meaning from the first time you heard and believed till the last time you hear when you die, it is the righteousness of God is that is being revealed and it is only from faith to faith to faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And then you put Ephesians 2, 8, we will get the picture. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Grace is a gift. You can never earn it. Faith under faith under faith under faith, under faith, under faith, till the end. That means grace, under grace, more grace, more grace, and more grace, and more grace. Problem? Mr. Self? Nothing in this for you. You cannot earn. So the wise are put off. What do I do with my wisdom? I worked so hard for it. What do I do with my might? My influence is worth nothing in the kingdom of God. What do I do with my nobility? It means nothing. What do I do with my strength? All that pumping of that iron was useless. Can never earn grace. Because sometimes people ask questions, write questions. You mean I can't make this happen with 40 days of fasting? Nope. You can fast all your life. Nothing is going to happen. Unless it is by faith. Seven days morning and evening we can teach you. Nothing is going to happen. Unless it is received by faith. And the grace that comes is a gift. Because if I can earn it, it is wages. Then there is room to boast. You know what? I was wise. I was wise because I spent 80 hours a week studying the Bible. You know why I was mighty? Because, you know, I fasted three times for 40 days at a stretch. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how spiritual things can be very fleshly? But if it is a gift, then there is no room to post. That's why James 4, 6 says, God gives, he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the 
humble. He gives grace only, actually he gives grace only to the humble. And one thing my flesh is not, I don't know about your flesh, <laughs> one thing my flesh is not, it is not humble. It is not humble. And John 1 and verse 17 says, 14 and then 17, let's go to 17 first. Law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And verse 14 says, how did he come? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of how did he come in the flesh and get be filled with grace? Boy, he must have been unbelievably humble. Because scripture says, God resists the proud and gives grace only to the humble. And he was filled with grace. He was filled with grace. Please note, it is written, he was full of grace. Then full of truth. Not that he was full of truth, then he was full of grace. Then if he was full of truth, then it was because of hard work. He was full of grace. And he received truth. He received grace, and he received truth. He received grace, and he received truth. And always before he can receive grace, there is something that comes that is humility. Now let us go, because we are looking at a pattern, our only pattern in the Bible, though we have other patterns, but ultimately it is the life of Christ in them that we pattern. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. Doesn't matter how many times we listen until this becomes life, nothing is going to change. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's why uh, NIV uses the term, this. let this attitude. Meaning the spirit be in you. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant. Coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. That's the key. You look at that. The key is there. He humbled himself. We don't. So God breaks us. He didn't have to be broken. He humbled himself. There are two ways you can have in life. Either you can humble yourself or you can allow God to humble you. He humbled himself. And he received grace. God gave, God gave grace to his only begotten son. Because he humbled himself. And the more he humbled, the more grace he gave him. And the more truth he revealed to him. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Are we getting the picture? John 3.34 For whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Why does he speak the words of God? Why does he speak the words of God? Because of the spirit that is in him. He says, I'm not speaking on my own. You know, he says, whom God has sent, speaks the words of God himself. Why? For God does not give the spirit by measure. 
You have to put it all together. He is saying, I came in the likeness of men. I have come in the same flesh. But I am speaking the words of God himself. Not my words. Because he gives the spirit without measure. He has filled me with my spirit. So everything that I am speaking is what the spirit is giving me. I am speaking to you the very words of God. Because the spirit has filled me. And why has the spirit filled him? Because he is humble. See, this is, the, because people, like, you know, at the end of today's this thing I had written. All the unsaved, when we reach, hypothetically, unsaved, those who reach heaven or stand before God, the question is, what did you do with my son? Right? Then I have to deal with your sin. And all the saved, when they stand before God, the question is, what did you do with my spirit? What did you do with my spirit? All the saved, whatever position we reach therein, is depending upon what we did with his spirit. So this is to the believers. To the unbelievers, we speak Christ. To the believers, we say, surrender to the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God. As Jesus showed us, he said, I am able to speak the very words of God himself. You know why? Because God has no issues in giving his spirit. He gives the spirit without measure. And why did he give his son spirit without measure? Because he was humble. Okay? Remember the spirit. You remember, we have to look at it. Otherwise, what will happen? We will make Jesus into different from us when he came and makes that an excuse for the failures and the weakness and the defeats in our life. And Jesus said, no. That's not the truth. I came just like one of you and I am able to sympathize with all of you because this is what I went through, yet I overcame. And I sympathize with you, but I don't want you to lie down over there. I'm giving you the same spirit. If you turn to John 16 and verse 13, why was Jesus able to speak? However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all. What is he talking about? He's talking about his own life. Why is he able to sow that with so much confidence? Because he says, the spirit of grace also is the spirit of truth. And when he came into my life and I allowed him complete control over my life, day by day by day, he led me all truth. It's not that I came with all the truth. He led me into all the truth and I spoke to you and I'm speaking to you the truth. I spoke as he revealed. Because the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. We know from Hebrews 10, 29, the Spirit of God also is called. Yeah, if you come down over there, at the end of it, insulted the Spirit of. He is the Spirit of grace. So what does it mean that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth? It is the same Spirit that is given to all of us. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was full of grace and full of truth. Remember, this is our pattern. This is our pattern. We have no other pattern. God has left no other pattern. He says there is only one pattern. In the old covenant I gave you the law to make you miserable so that you would come to my son. The whole pro- 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 proposition was not that you would try to keep the law because nobody can keep the law. I gave the law so that you would understand what my standards are. And then I sent you that standard down in flesh. You could understand. The word became flesh. And we beheld the glory of God. What was the law? It was showing the glory of God in letter. 
And he came and walked in the spirit, in the flesh, in the spirit. And we have beheld the glory of God. What is that? Full of grace and full of truth. And if you looked at Hebrews 4, sorry, Philippians 2 and verse 8. There are two things mentioned over there. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. There are two things here. One is the attitude inside and second is the outworking outside. You cannot say that I am humble without being obedient. Humility is an attitude inside. Obedience is the result of it. Okay. Otherwise we are not humble. We are not humble. Because humility will always show outside to the ways of God. So humility is inside. Obedience is what is seen. So because people will say, oh, he is a very humble man. But he may be a totally disobedient man. Totally disobedient man. Because the world has its own picture of what humility is. Okay? A humble man who is obedient may be incredibly proud to the world. Like David was proud to his brothers. But he was not. He was humble before God and therefore obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And he was obedient. And the others thought he was showing off. So you are very proud. So please understand what it means. So, you look at the pattern of the life of Jesus Christ, there are no shortcuts. There is only one way, and it is the way of the cross. There is no other way. That's why till today, the message of the cross is offensive. It is offensive. Because the flesh will ask, what is in it for me? The spirit answers, nothing. There is nothing. The Jews look for a Sign, because they want a Messiah who will come on a charger and overthrow the Roman Empire and restore the kingdom and everything will be good. But a Messiah who dies on a cross? No. Dies on a cross? No. It's offensive. Doesn't look good. No. The problem is the effect of the world that is upon the church. The living church is what you need to understand. That how many, how many can actually resist that pressure? And if you remember, I mean, long time back, in this uh, program called Britain Got Talent. It's a talent show. You'll always see this. There was a lady called Susan Boyle who came. Okay, she was from the countryside. Simple, okay. And when she came, she didn't, she looked simple from the countryside. If, if you looked at the faces of the judges and the faces of the audience, you looked at there was absolute scorn and contempt. I mean, you come to a stage like this. Have look at the expression, even on the faces of the judges, who of course later apologized, and the crowd. You're wasting our time kind of thing. Then, she spoke also, it was funny, rustic style and all that. They laughed, mockingly laughed. Then she sang. Then, boy, when she sang, they were stunned. Okay. But what I want to talk about, the fact is not about the talent and how she sang and how she changed the whole atmosphere. It's the 
second time she appeared after that. She had changed. They made her look like one of them. The package was changed. Did you see? It was not the same lady who came the first time. The world said, okay, we love your talent, but you know what? We need to change you so that you fit into our format. We'll make you more presentable. And that's our struggle. Our struggle is always that. The Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world. And that's also the reason the world loved Revizak. The church loved Revizak. The world loved Revizak. The church loved Revizak for a different reason. The world loved Revizak for a different reason. Different reason. Okay. The world loved Revizak because Oh, wow, what a speaker. Even if I don't agree with him. <laughs> but if you don't agree with him, what's the whole point of listening to him? He's not coming there to entertain you. No. The Jews look for a sign. A Messiah who dies on a cross? That is weakness. That's not strength. Does it appeal to the flesh? No. You know why the prosperity gospel is so powerful, catchy? Because it meets the need of the flesh within the Christian. What is the need of the flesh in the Christian? They want dominion in the world. Not dominion over the world. You know how, how subtle it is? If you look at it. God promises through the Holy Spirit dominion over the world. He, all that is born of God, we shall overcome the world. Dominion over the world. But the prosperity gospel gives you dominion in the world. And boy, we receive it with both hands. And that we have no issues listening for hours together. They will entertain you and they will, they will feed the flesh. You see in a dominion meeting, nobody says the meeting was too long. Because it is dominion in the world. But the message of the cross offends you because it's dominion over the world. The Greeks on the other side look for wisdom. Even us, no? We like Ravi Zak. We like Derek Prince. We like C.S. Lewis. You know, at the, at the end, they went to Oxford or Cambridge. Ravi Zak had an office in Oxford. C.S. Lewis was from Oxford. Derek Prince was from Cambridge. So there is a kindred spirit, you see. <laughs> There's a Greek in us. But the problem is, they all spoke about Jesus who didn't go to college. Everybody was preaching the word of a man 
Kun never went to college. Kun never learned under any rabbi. He struggled. But salvation still lies in the message of the cross. That doesn't change. And even to a true believer, it can be depressing. You know why? Because he knows it is true. And he fails each time. He tries. Each time he tries, he fails. And Jesus said, you will fail. The message of the cross will fail you if you ever try it in your own strength. It will fail you each time. He said the answer is power on from high. The problem is we like the term power. But we stumble when we realize the power is connected implicitly and intricately to a person. I will tell you, the problem with the believers is with the person of the Holy Spirit. The problem with all the people when Jesus came was with the person of Jesus Christ. And our problem is not with the Bible. We don't have problems with this. We have the problems with the only one who will interpret this for us. And our problem is with him. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you have to lay aside everything else. That means you have to lay aside yourself. And suddenly you will realize it is with yourself you read this. And our problem, honestly, I'm telling you, every day when we wake up, our issue is with the Holy Spirit. We are willing to do our devotions. And we love the four words, the devotions also, we love it. And we say the prayer at the end also. You can do all that without really, really Surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus showed us the way. He showed us the way. The way he showed us from the beginning is this. Is I'll show you a way if my life. And it's the way of the Spirit. Okay, we want power. The problem is we confuse that power which Jesus promised with the gifts. And all the demonstrations of power we see is all there found in First Corinthians chapter 12 and they are all gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is not the person of the Holy Spirit, it is the gift. And we confuse one with the other. Every demonstration which you see outside in the rallies and the crusades and churches and all, you read First Corinthians 12, they are all called gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now when Jesus is talking about power, he's talking about a person. And that person has got nothing to do with what is happening outside. That person has got everything to do with what is happening inside. And Hebrews 4.15 We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was all points tempted as we are. That we like, oh hallelujah Lord, you are tempted at all points. But the second part, yet 
without sin. Can't we? Easily say, oh, that was because it was he. No. See, until we deal with the Holy Spirit, nothing is going to change. The 60 can be 120 days of lockdown. And we listen the word morning and evening. But the problem with the believer is, what are you going to do with my spirit? Right? He says, ask, seek, knock, you'll be given what? Spirit. Shall be given the spirit. But that's not what we ask for. (laughs) That is not what we ask for. What we ask for is something else. The issue is that we have a problem, we ask for a solution, we get a solution, and next day another problem arises. So we live life from problem to problem to problem, and God says, go like that. But Lord, when will this is? He will cease the day you ask, you change your prayer and ask for my spirit. Then you will realize the problem is not the problem. The problem was always you never asked for my spirit. If you ask my spirit, like my son, every day he faced a fresh challenge in his ministry. And it was unsurmountable challenges he faced. But he was never upset. Never caught off guard. Never. Not even once. And he says, you know the reason? It was my spirit. And he was filled with my spirit. Filled with my spirit. And if you look at Jesus' life, the key to Jesus' life was the, like we looked last week also. Today's a new day of a week, last week also. The key to Jesus' life was his prayer life. It was not his outward life. Outward life was not so great, spectacular. What was spectacular was his message, not his miracles. Because everything he did, they did in the Old Testament also. The gifts were never different in the Old or the New Testament, except the praying, speaking in tongues and casting out of demons. You take these two out, everything else. I mean, Moses and all did bigger things than Jesus did. He didn't do anything. He he walked on water once. He never separated water for his disciples. He sent them in a boat. Right? He didn't stand there. And boy, if he had done over there, they would all have accepted him as the Messiah. That's why he didn't do it. Imagine he's standing under this thing and says, part, and disciples go, and others try to cover. He didn't do any of those things. All come in and look at stuff they did. So what was that was different about Jesus that absolutely nobody could do? He overcame sin in the flesh. And unless we get, this is the message of the cross. We are still beating about in the air. That is the message of the cross. That you can overcome. For the believer, the message of the cross is this. You can overcome sin in the flesh. And it is possible through my spirit. Otherwise you are saying, there is one thing the spirit of God cannot do in my life. You know what it is? He cannot overcome sin in my life. Is that true? Is there anything too difficult for God? This is the message of the cross. And the flesh hates it. Flesh hates it. The flesh hates it. Like I said, there are only two lives on earth. Either it Christ is glorified, 
Satan is glorified. And when flesh pops up, Satan is glorified. When flesh dies, Christ is glorified. And there is no middle way. That is the power we are talking about. Turn with me to uh, Romans. Uh, sorry, Second Timothy, chapter one, five to seven, and then we'll come f- go further. Second Timothy, chapter one, five to seven. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother Louis, your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power of love and of a sound mind. The issue is this. You can have an incredible spiritual heritage. You can have an awesome spiritual mentor like Paul. You can have the entire leadership lay hands upon you and you receive the gift and be still be paralyzed by the flesh and do nothing. Do nothing. Paralyzed. What more do you need? Three generations of faith in your family. A mentor like Paul. And the leadership, anointed leadership of the first century has laid hands upon. And you actually have received a gift too. What are you doing? Nothing. You know why? Because you are not able to overcome your flesh. Not able to overcome your flesh. The flesh has constraints. Because the flesh manifests in different ways. Different ways. Turn with me to Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. Why I'm saying is because the entire world is frozen. 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All my brethren who are watching and if you got an NIV, don't use it much. Go to NKJV if you find KJV difficult. NIV has taken lots of parts of this. Like if you see the second part of first verse is not there in NIV. They have omitted a lot of God's word off. So please, these were wise editors, not spirit-filled editors. These were wise editors who so took it off. Okay, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there is a walk. There is a walk. There are two walks you see on earth. The walk in the flesh and the walk in the spirit. Okay? There is a walk. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That itself tells us there are two laws in which everybody operates. Either it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus or it is a law of sin and death. Meaning a law is an established principle that can be expected to function the same way every single time. That's how gravity works. Every single time the law works the same way. Meaning if you live in the flesh, you will die. You will die. And whatever nature of that flesh doesn't matter. Flesh is flesh. And God abhors it. You can die of fear. You can die of a lie. It's not that fear is better than lie. That's why this revelation puts it over there. Right? Begins with the fearful, ends with the liars, and in between has put everybody else. 
because that's the nature of the law. These are two laws and you cannot change these laws. You cannot change. In Galatians 6, 7 and 8, again the same law is repeated over there. This is the nature of it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows in his flesh, he will reap corruption, which leads ultimately to death. If he sows in the spirit, he who sows to the will of the spirit reap what? This is a continuous of the same law. God says, you cannot say I am saved and continue to sow in the flesh and reap eternal life. He says, that doesn't happen. What kind of a law is that? It's in your natural world, you do not do that. I don't jump from the roof and expect to go up. No, one time I fell, next time I will go up. Next time again you fell. No, third time I will go up. Third time you again fall. No, fourth time I will go up. He says, what kind of a fool are you? That's an established principle. It does not change. Every time you jump, you will come down. And this is the law. If you live in the flesh, if you walk in the flesh, you will reap corruption. Corruption will ultimately lead to death. But on the other hand, he who sows to the spirit. Okay, so there is a human will involved over here where we have to take. No? Because every person lives under one or the other of these laws. And we try to combine these laws together, sometime in the flesh, sometime in the spirit, sometime in the flesh, sometime in the spirit. And God says, that too also will not work. He will ultimately fall in between. Okay? So that's what God is telling through Paul to Timothy. God has not given you the spirit of? So the question is, if God has not given, then who gave it? And if God did not give it, why did you receive it? Why did you receive it? Why do you have to receive things which God did not give? God has not given, Bible says. God has not given, then why should I receive it? What has God given? Scripture says God has given his spirit. And what is that spirit? Of power, love, and a sound mind. And it is his fear. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 50 to the rest of the world. Inasmuch as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What is the worst thing? Fear of? So he came in the same flesh, partook of the same flesh and blood, and he overcame death. But before he could overcome death, every day of his life he walked by overcoming the fear of death. You need to understand. He overcame the fear of death when he was living. If he did not overcome the fear of death while he was living, then he could not have overcome death when he died. Because worse than fear of, worse than death is the fear of death. What is COVID-19? Fear of death. It's the fear of death. This is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He through the spirit put to death the works of the flesh. That's what Romans 8 and verse 13 says. Through the spirit. We are looking at principles given through Paul. is actually Jesus' life. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
very clear. You will die. You may die. No, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When it is put over there with absolute 100% certainty, why sh- what is it put it there for? To make the disciple desperate. I want to live. I don't want to die. God says, that's what I also say. So how do you live? He says, by my spirit. Don't try any other way. There is no other way. Like I said, the most misunderstood person is the third person of the Trinity. They want to make him into a doctrine or they want to look at his power in ministry, which is gift and not the person with you deal with every day. On a day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour basis, you deal with this person. And only by the spirit you and I can put to death the deeds of the body, of the flesh. Then God says you will live. In Galatians 5 and verse 16. 5 and 16. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the... That means you can receive the spirit and not walk in him. It's possible. Can be born again and not walk. Walk demands a motion with two people moving from one direction to another direction. There is action involved over there. I can receive salvation and the Holy Spirit has come and refuse to walk in him and walk in the flesh. And not walk in the spirit. God says if you want to overcome the flesh, there's only one way. You have to walk in the spirit. And how do we know how to walk in the spirit? We look at his son and we realize, boy, that's why he overcame. That is why he overcame. So we do not want another doctrine for saying that Jesus came in the flesh, but he was fully God. That's why he overcame. God says no. He came in the flesh, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And he utterly emptied himself. And every day he humbled himself. And he cried out for my spirit. And I filled him. And I filled him. And he walked in the spirit. That's why I said, what defines Jesus' life is his prayer life. Without his prayer life, all his teachings are powerless in our life. How do we live according to his teaching? How do we live that life out? No, he said you have heard, now I tell you, you have heard, I have tell you, I you have heard, I have tell you. How can you live? Let's leave the big ones about murder, adultery and all. He says, your yes should be yes and your no should be no. That's enough. He said you should come to a point where people will say, I don't need a document from you. Is it you? That's enough. I don't need a document. I don't need a notary. I don't need a surety. Nothing at all. I've seen you. If you have said yes, it is yes. You don't need it. Because that's the life of Christ. Does he need to give a document? No. He says, my word is my word. It's forever settled in the heavens. Certainty. Absolute certainty of a person's character. Because that character is being transformed, transferred into us through the Spirit. God says, that is what I am telling you about. The life of Christ Jesus. You know, did he give them a sealed this thing that I'm going and I will come back? What are we all waiting here for? Because he just said it. His word. That's a certainty. He doesn't have to give us anything. I'm, com- I'm going, preparing, coming back. That's it. That's it. You know? And why do we live in fear? Why was that the first age, the apostles? 
consequent subsequent ages to were hounded from city to city beaten ultimately all of them were killed but they did not fear what was their secret you know because they were filled with the holy spirit and that's the power we are talking about a life because everybody sees those miracles on tv and they want to be a miracle worker but that's a gift if that is what god has called you for but that doesn't change your inner life because the gift and the callings are irrevocable but we also claim to be filled with the holy spirit like them but there is no power so where did they manifest their power they manifest their power in their inward life that's the first key your inward victory your victory over your flesh your victory over your flesh let me show it to you turn with me to thing romans 7:5 also been asking god lord please help me also to remember i got this terrible habit of not remembering yeah For when we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death I'll tell you this issue this this got nothing to do with believers uh, sorry with unbelievers it's all got to do with believers if you don't have the spirit and you don't surrender the spirit the more you hear the word the more you hear the law the more you hear the law your flesh gets more powerful it doesn't get weakened it gets more powerful because what is happening is you are in union with the f- law and the union with the law will produce a fruit accordingly when the flesh and the law comes together they produce the works of the flesh the more you hear the law the more the flesh gets activated it doesn't die it doesn't die in that way preaching of the word is terrible when we were in the flesh the sinful passions were not put to death by the law were aroused by the law imagine a young believer okay 10 12 13 year old believer and you know but just came to the lord and all in the flesh sometimes flesh sometimes spirit and all and the pastor calls him the youth pastor calls him and says young man don't watch porn okay he doesn't know what porn is immediately after he's got he goes over there searching what is porn what is porn five days later he's not in church he's gone why because the law allows something that is why jesus told them don't dare to leave jerusalem don't you do any ministry just sit down there and wait until you have received power because when you go out you are the witnesses of my life my life you witness my life and what is my life a life that overcomes sin that's my witness you're not an old testament prophet who can bring fire down from heaven and then run in depression you are not an old testament you are a new covenant child of god and the power is in the life it's not in your ministry it's in your ministry the power is in your life 
If you abide in the law, if you are in union with the law, what will you produce? Because each one produces according to its kind. don't have to do anything. According to its kind. The works of the flesh can be also called works of the law. Because how did you know this were the works of the flesh? Because the law told you. Therefore, how do I produce the life of the Spirit? In the same way, in union with the Spirit. It's a byproduct of a union. That's why it is called the fruit of the Spirit. So it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't come from activity. It doesn't come from work. It comes from Union with the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Stay. And he said, abide in me. What did he mean, abide in me? In the Spirit. Abide in my Spirit. I am the vine. You are the branches. And what flows through the vine is the Spirit. Abide in me. Stay in me. Stay in me. Stay in me. Out of the union with the Spirit should come a life. And you see, there is no tension then. There is no tension then. Because much of the tension is, what should I do? And the tension is gone, you do what he says. What he says. Imagine living 30 years and do nothing. Practically nothing. What did Jesus do for 30 years? I wish he had come at 20. He could have taught us more. No? Spirit never told him. How many more people he could have healed? 10 years extra ministry. Think about it. I mean, we think with that human wisdom. No? Because a lot of people will say, I accepted the Lord at the age of 15. At 17, I began my ministry. Good for you. Good for you. Great. Awesome. But that's not the point. The point is you could be saved at 80 and the spirit begin you at 81. Still is enough. What matters is what did the spirit say? That's the only thing that matters. It's not what man says. Because if you are going to look and count everything in terms of man's estimations, 50 years of ministry, Jesus three and a half. So where does Jesus stand? But the difference is Jesus' life is 33 and a half years of life without sin. You great man of 50 years of ministry, give me three months without sin. That life is what changed our life. Because the Bible makes it very clearly, for our sake, he lived that life. For our sake. He lived that life for our sake. We are called to live that life for our sake. (laughs) 
I am not even called to live that life for your sake. So at least for your sake you live that life so you can get a crown. He lived that life for our sake. And we won't live that life for our sake also. This is the reality, no, because this is uh, lockdown time. No? This is a reality in which we have to live. Galatians 5.16 I say then, walk in the spirit. So, it's an instruction, right? Because flesh is still alive, we cannot say it is a command, because then flesh will get upset. Flesh doesn't like words like command. Because flesh still says, see, whenever you hear, walk like this, the flesh from inside will say, but remember, God has given you the freedom to choose. <laughs> you are an autonomous being. We like these terms and all, freedom to choose, it's sacred. We also preach about that. It is sacred, free will has given. Which is true. But God is saying, what are you using that free will for? 5.16 Walk in the spirit. So is it a command? Meaning you can receive the spirit and not walk in him. Because there is this flesh. That is the dwelling place of everything in me that opposes God and his will. So God says, humble thyself. Humble thyself. Keep telling. How do we humble ourselves? It's rare. It is the key. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. Because now we look into the word of God, we will see that everything else is a gift. Preaching is a gift. Even the office of apostle is also a gift. Prophet is also a gift. Evangelist is also a gift. Teacher is also a gift. Pastor is also a gift. You are an excellent doctor. That's also a gift. Ministry of helps. Excellent social worker. That's also a gift. You look through F Corinthians chapter 12. Every activity within the kingdom of God is a gift. Then what is left? Only a life. Only a life. That's why God says to faith, add virtue. That's the life of Christ Jesus. So you are not going to be judged for your gift. You are going to be judged how you used your gift. Was there virtue in the way you used your gift? So we are not talking about gifts here. Because everybody is fascinated by gifts. We are talking about a life. And that life of Jesus Christ was absolutely manifested to the disciples by his prayer life. That's why one thing they asked him. Teach us to teach us to pray. They didn't ask him to teach us to preach. He said, teach us to pray. And even our prayers are not his prayers. Our prayers are not his prayers. Our prayers are all connected with needs of ourselves or others. But his prayer was never that. He knows that my father will meet all the need. But he has to see that I meet the father's need. That is, I walk with him. And he knows the only way I can walk with him is in the spirit and not in the flesh. And if I have to walk in the spirit, I need the spirit. 
I need the Spirit. And by and through the Spirit, He put to death every day the works of the flesh. He put flesh to death. That's the key. That is the key. And this lockdown will be the best thing that ever happened in humanity's history of the last days if it can teach us to pray. If it can teach us to pray. And that's, that's what he was. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4.1 and Matthew 4.1. Both talking about the same thing. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Matthew 4, 1 also says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's go to Luke and then we'll come back to Matthew. No, Luke 4, 1. Yeah, this is 1, 1. Okay. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Did you see that? Only those who are filled with the Holy Spirit can be led to unpleasant places. Others won't be. Others won't go. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be filled by the Spirit. How do you know whether you are filled by the Spirit? By the places He takes you. Because flesh will never go to the wilderness. Flesh hates the wilderness. Because scripture says in Deuteronomy 8, God led them into the wilderness. To humble them. To humble them. Right? He was already humble. So he could be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And now you look at 4.1, you will understand why he is humble and why he could be led and led into the wilderness. What does it say? Yeah, Matthew 4.1. Jesus was led? He was led up. When the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness and you are a humble person, you are being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. You are being led up. You are not being led down. You are being taken to a place to be tested for victory so that you will prove to the entire mankind that I am dead to the flesh so they can follow that pattern. You are not led down. You are led up. We all want to be led up to Jerusalem. What about wilderness? Jerusalem is also up. But we never see wilderness as up. We don't see wilderness as up. And scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was led into the wilderness and Matthew says he was led up by... It's it's all the Spirit. It is all the Holy Spirit. The entire thing, Holy Spirit. For me, of all this, all that I can understand. But what the eye-opener for me was the day when I read I mean, I've read it so many times, sometimes you don't see it because the Spirit doesn't show it to you because the Spirit knows you are not ready to see it. That's why we read the Bible and don't see many things because the Spirit knows you're still too strong in the flesh to see these things. I'm not even showing it to you. Acts chapter um, 1 and verse 1 and 2. Verse 2. It was a stunner for me. The former account I made Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit. I couldn't get that. Hey, you're not in the flesh now. You're risen. You're back again, God. You're back again, God. Why are you teaching through the Holy Spirit? Is he telling us something? Outside of the spirit, nothing happens in the kingdom. Nothing happens in the kingdom. Nothing. 
happens in the kingdom. This is a risen Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ in his new body, resurrected body. His back, what he always was, though he has a body now, his always was eternal, everlasting to everlasting, one with God. But he's teaching through the Holy Spirit. Then my question was that, if he who rose again for 40 days taught through the Holy Spirit, how else can I teach? What a waste of time. I tried to teach in any other way. How can I else teach? If he who rose from the dead in the supernatural realm, in that supernatural body, ascended up to heaven, finished atonement, comes back and teaches in the spirit, how else can we teach? There's no other way. How else can we live? Then my second question was, Lord, if you were teaching in the spirit in the new body, that means you are also living in that body through the spirit. And how else can we live? Is there another life? Do you know what humbling meant for him? He humbled himself for our sake. Our sake. So our issue is not this book. We love this book. Our issue is with the spirit. We are still trying to crack this book with our brains. So that one day will somebody will say, 25 years in ministry, I want to give you honorary doctorate. There are a lot of people in the Christian, all are doctors. If you ask them, they never did a PhD, but they got an honorary doctorate. It feeds our flesh, we feel good. Meaning they are already declaring themselves well done. Faithful servant, even before God has spoken. I have no issues with doing all these things, okay? We appreciate people and their ministry. and But that's not what the point here is. The point here is, can we live outside the Holy Spirit? Is there a life call like that? Do you know what our struggles are? No, our struggles are. That's why I say of the four Gospels, for a believer, the most important Gospel is the Gospel according to John. Because John, through revelation of the Holy Spirit, shows us stuff which nobody else shows. It shows the inside life of Jesus Christ. It shows us something which we don't see. If you look at John's Gospel, it is not at all the order of the other Gospels. By the time you come to chapter 6, the disciples have left. Others and all 15, 18, 19, 20, 72 are still going. In John 6, they are all gone. That means 6, 6 to 21 is in-depth revelation of who Jesus is. And then if you look from John 13 and verse 31, Passover, final Passover, okay? So, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All the other gospel, Passover, final Passover, it's just one passage. Here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I go back and I go back and I go back and I go back and I look, you know what? All the instructions he gave them, I will go to 13 and 13 and 31. 
13 and 31. And when he had gone out, who? Judas. Now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Meaning when the love of money leaves out. You have heard it, you have to hear it again. And Judas, the fellow who joined the ministry for money and for position, for name, whatever he joined it for, when he leaves, the group has become unified. God says, now we are ready to hear the final message from the father. Till then we are not ready. You're not ready. God says, I cannot speak to you. I can, you, you group are there, but this fellow is there. And the love of money has caused many people pierced with great sorrows, Paul will say. So this fellow is gone. Now I can speak to you. Now the son of man is glorified. Then comes the teaching. It's after that he teaches. And if you look at the core of the entire teaching, you know what the entire teaching is about? The Holy Spirit is coming. The entire teaching is about the Holy Spirit. He's coming. A person is coming. It's a person. It's a real person. Real person. I know you're all upset about me going. You don't have to worry. A person is coming. A person is exactly like him. Just surrender that person. Live with him. Let him lead you. Everything will be fine. Don't have to worry. Even if you die, you're victorious. You don't have to worry about anything. This person is going to be there. And from 13 onwards, everything is actually talking about this person. Everything. In 1632, he tells the reason. So when he had, indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come. You will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. So he tells them a secret. You always wanted to be in company group. You see, I could always be alone. Do you realize why I was never alone? I was never worried about loneliness or being alone. You know why? The Holy Spirit was always with me. The Spirit of God was always with me. You know why is the Spirit of God always with me? Because there was no flesh in him. He had a flesh. He killed that flesh every day. In the Spirit of God. So he tells them a secret over there. Because the Father is with me. And then he will tell them, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I will send somebody just like me and the Father. He will be with you, with you, in you forever. Just do one thing. Don't offend him. Don't grieve him. Don't hurt him. Don't lie to him. Don't test him. Don't do these things with him. You don't have to worry about life. Pandemic, pestilence, earthquake, war, hornets. You don't have to worry about any of those things. Only thing is that, just walk in my spirit. Just walk in my spirit. 1426. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things. I, I look at that and say, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I keep forgetting all the things you have taught me. He don't, you don't worry. All of us forget. How much can we retain? You don't worry about it. One thing he will teach you. And second, what you have forgotten, he will remind you. You don't worry about these things. Think about a student who goes to an exam and his teacher says, don't worry. I will come to the exam hall with you. And I will teach you all things. What I have forgotten, I will remind you. Will you be afraid of the exam? No. And this is a reality. Not only will he teach you all things, things which I have taught and you have forgotten, you will bring to your remembrance. Okay. Think about it. 
because I struggle. Lord, I want to memorize scripture. Too late. <laughs> Too late. You don't worry about it. You've read it through. Yeah, Lord. Don't worry. Don't be KJV, but may not be NKJV also. Don't worry about it. What you need to know, I will remind you. I will remind you. Verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. 15, 26 and 27. And when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You know what he says? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify of me. Then you will also testify. We all want to testify, right? But he said, you don't have to worry about witnessing. You don't have to worry about testifying. Somebody is coming. Stick to him. He will testify to you. And he will testify about me to others. But stick to him. This is one thing people will always have. Perhaps I want to witness. How do I witness? Just listen to him. There is power in it. There is power in it. Do you realize that almost all the questions we have about life, God's answer is the Holy Spirit? He says, I've given you my spirit. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. The only enemy you have is your flesh. And that's the enemy of my spirit. 16.13 However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Remember one, why the whole set of people will receive the mark and go with the Antichrist? One reason. Only one reason. And I believe many believers also will leave and go. The falling away from faith. Only one reason. Because they did not receive one thing. What was that? Love of? And who? Yeah, God sends a delusion. So how do I receive the love of truth? I receive the spirit of truth. That's simple. Who is he? He's the spirit of truth. And what is the truth I want? I don't want revelations about what is going to come tomorrow. I want to know about myself. That is the truth. We should be more interested in. Lord, show me where I don't fit into your nature. Simple. Where do I not fit into your nature? Only you know. Even I may think I am okay. But you are the only one who knows I am not okay because you are the only one who searches the heart of the father and the heart of man. You are the only one. You are the only one. So, Lord, lead me from truth to truth to truth to truth. He says he will guide you into all truth. All truth. Guide you into all truth. Now, think about it. Is it possible for the Holy Spirit to guide a finite man into all truth? No. So, what is his all truth? About himself. About himself. The problem is, as believers, we are also satisfied with our lives. <laughs> And if we are dissatisfied, we are dissatisfied things which don't feed our flesh. We are dissatisfied. Aaj karam besi tha. Kal ka halim to oily tha. How can we improve on these things? All the things of the flesh. But the other side, spiritual life, we are so satisfied. 
సో సాటిస్ఫైడ్ సో హూ డూ వీ హ్యావ్ అన్ ఇష్యూ విత్ హోలీ స్పిరిట్ ద హోలీ స్పిరిట్ పాల్ టెల్స్ టిమతి వెరీ క్లియర్లీ గాడ్ హాస్ నాట్ గివెన్ యూ ద స్పిరిట్ ఆఫ్ ఫియర్ యూ డిట్ నాట్ గివ్ యూ రిసీవ్డ్ ఇట్ ఇన్ యూర్ ఫ్లాష్ వాట్ హాస్ గివెన్ యూ ఆఫ్ పవర్ లవ్ త్రీ థింగ్స్ వాట్ ద హోలీ స్పిరిట్ డస్ ఫస్ట్ ఇట్ గివ్స్ యూ పవర్ to overcome your flesh then he gives you the love how to love and third he gives you a sound mind to have discernment how to make decisions all three comes from the holy spirit and we need all three we need all three we need power to put to death the works of the flesh we need that power lord only you can and you are there with me i can put it to death but only through you i can put to death works of the flesh now turn to galatians okay that's a key chapter right when it comes to all this it's funny that the church went into the law for the holy spirit to got galatians 5 yeah verse 22 the fruit of the spirit it's a fruit it is not the work the other thing are works of the flesh this is the f- many you can't you don't have the works of the spirit there are no works of the spirit this is the fruit of the spirit a result of abiding in him a natural result of an abiding in him the other is a different thing it's a work your flesh is working over time work and the first thing is do you know that's where it begins with i have not given you the spirit of fear but of power no. actually everything else is a result of it everything else is a result of god's love why does when a sinner repent god delight so much and we don't because he loves the sinner that's why he rejoices that's the truth if you don't love somebody when something good happens to that person we don't rejoice we don't rejoice god loves every man and when any sinner rejoins there is so much celebration so much joy in heaven because he loves because he loves why did jesus god sent his own son in the likeness of flesh gave him the full spirit and made him go through all that why so that he could reconcile man with what is that so man could have peace with why because god loves man peace is a result of love where there is no love there is no peace why are we able to suffer long with certain people and not so much with certain others is simply because we love this one and we don't love that one it's as simple long suffering in itself is the same only problem is what is problem is love we love this one so we are able to be long 
long suffering with them. We don't love this one, so we have short tempered with them. Doesn't that Corinthians 13 says love is kind and suffers long? That's why here you have a detailed description. There you have given the core. Power to overcome flesh and love. And love, the result is all this. All this. Love is kind. Doesn't Corinthians 13 say it is kind? Why are we not kind to everybody? Because we don't love everybody. Why are we kind to certain people? Because we love them. True. We can be kind to this child and be unkind to that child because this child is our child and that child is not our child. And we think we are very kind because we are very kind to this child. God says, you fathers being evil know how to be kind to others' children. Now I want to be like you, you to be like your father in heaven. So ask the Holy Spirit so that you can give good gifts here also and there also. Then you are really good. Otherwise you are still evil. There's nothing different between you and the devil. You're still evil. Kindness. Scripture says it is the goodness of God that causes us to repent. So God is saying, are you good? If you love, you will wait for that one any long. I will wait for that one to come back. But this one, go, go, go. Good, good riddance of bad rubbish. God says, so what went wrong with you? You love that one, so you have the goodness. But you don't love this one, so you don't have the goodness. But you see, I love everybody. And it is the goodness of God that caused the prostitute and the prince to come into the kingdom. I was good to everybody. You look at Jesus, it's incredible. A rich man stops him, I will come. A Gentile stops him, I will come. Never said no to anybody. It didn't matter to who the person was. His goodness was always the same. He ate in Zacchaeus' house. He ate in a Pharisee's house also. He said, I hate these Pharisees. They're such hypocrites. I will never eat in their house. He never said that. He went to the house and ate and gave the lecture also there. See this goodness of God? Why are we unfaithful? You know how faithful we've sent our child to college and how faithful we are in paying all the installments. Well, another one comes and says, Sir, my child is in this school and I don't have face. You tell him, you should have never sent that child to that school. If you couldn't afford it, you shouldn't have. But you sent ten times that amount for your child and you are fine with that. You know why? Because you love this one. And you are very faithful. Very faithful. Very faithful. How gentle we are with those we love. How harsh we are with the others. Jesus was so gentle with the ones the Pharisees were so harsh. Woman caught in adultery, practically dragged and thrown in front over there. He was so gentle. 
wouldn't even look at her. Meaning, I will not even, I will not even, what, uh, abuse your modesty with my eyes. I will not. And everybody has gone. He says, is there nobody? She said, no. I also don't get married. Go. Sin not. Look at him dealing with different people and you will see the gentleness of Jesus Christ. How gentle he is. Do you know what Paul is telling Timothy? No. You know what? Because we look at fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. What happens is when fear comes in, all the others start going. That's why fear is very dangerous. And fear is one of the most powerful weapons of the enemy. Fear. Fear makes people selfish. Fear makes people do all kind of crazy stuff. Everything that David did after his incident with Bathsheba was based on fear. Made him a madman. Crazy man. What ordinary people won't do, he did. Always because of fear. And that's what God is talking about. Paul, tell Timothy, I have not given him the spirit of fear. But I have given him the spirit of power. First, overcome your flesh. And love. Gentleness. Self-control. Again, such there is no. There is no such. The Bible says very clearly. If you are under the law, then you are walking under the, in the flesh. If you are walking in the spirit, this is how it is, man. How do you know? How do anyone know? How am I manifest? How do I know how I am growing in the spirit? These things have to grow. These things have to grow. Because COVID-19 is real. The fear of it is worse. First Peter 5, eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And how does he devour people? He doesn't show his fangs and teeth. We don't even see him. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. 3.14 But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats. Nor be troubled. How does he devour? Intimidates. NASB will call it intimidation. Intimidation is the devil's biggest, biggest. He intimidates. Intimidates. Do not fear their intimidation. I don't know what happened to Timothy. Timothy just curled up. Said, I don't think I want to do anything. Are we intimidated? And the entire picture, what we are seeing around is all intimidation. Entire world is under intimidation. We'll see. In the coming weeks, we'll see getting more and more pictures coming out of Hong Kong. It's going to be another flashpoint. They're getting ready. We'll see pictures of intimidation. And all the news channels also, because they have their agenda, we will show these pictures of police in mass and beatings and beating up and pepper gassing and locking people up and all. And people get intimidated. But the problem is, when you get intimidated, what stops? The gospel stops. And that's the whole idea. The gospel stops. 
The gospel is the only solution of God's man, salvation. That is what has stopped. That's what stops. Witnessing stops. Testifying stops. The life of the spirit stops. Everything stops. Why? Fear has crippled man. Fear has crippled man. Yet, this could be the same, same situation that can be turned around by saying no. And how does it turn around? It's in your prayer closet. You see, the government can do everything except they found in Daniel's case. You cannot stop that man from praying. You can stop him everything. Lock him up in the den also with the lions. So he cannot preach, he cannot work, he cannot do anything. But you just can't stop him from praying. And that's what the Romans and the Jews realized. You know what? You can beat him up, flog him through the night, make him carry the cross so he's so weak and he falls, crucify him on the cross. You can't stop him from praying. And that prayer saved a man and saved the rest of us. The rest of us are saved because of his prayer. Just change his prayer a little. Father, don't forgive them. Finish. Khatam. Khalas. Instead he prayed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You see the spirit operating through an incredibly broken spirit, meaning even on the cross, he is so absolutely humble that the spirit is able to flow. Absolutely humble. In the midst of all the mocking, scorning and threats and all the intimidation, it's absolutely humble and the spirit is still flowing. It is the spirit that is working. This is what God is talking about. He says, none of you have come even to that point, but he is saying, do you realize what life in the spirit can actually do to you? How it breaks all these things. All this intimidation, all these walls of the enemy. But the whole point is this. Are we intimidated? Remember Acts chapter 4? We looked at it last week also. 18 to 21. They were intimidated. They called them, commanded them not to speak at all, not to teach in the name of Jesus. They were not intimidated. Two poor fishermen. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They threatened them. They were not intimidated. And verses 29 to 31. Look at the answer. Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants with... Oh, what kind of a prayer is this? If you would pray, Lord, to speak less, they are praying to speak more. That all boldness, they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what did God do? His only answer. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the... He said, this is my answer. <laughs> all filled with my spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Not the spirit of timidity, of P- Timothy. So Paul is saying, Paul, Paul, Timothy, you haven't even started your journey. You know me. Every place I got beaten up. I haven't stopped preaching. You, somebody shouted at you, your ministry is gone, everything is gone. What is this, Timothy? 
you get to the Timothy? Huh? Look at you. Your grandmother, your mother, you. I mentored you. The eldership laid hands upon you. What? Why do you sleeping, Timothy. Do you see what intimidation can do you? Every news is intimidation. And they hate President Trump because he refused to be intimidated. Refuse to be intimidated. Refuse to wear a mask. Because he's saying, okay, mask is good. The point is that everybody is being intimidated to wear one. You'll be fined. Right? Be fined. Many blue states are already saying when the vaccination comes, if you don't take the vaccination, it will be mandatory. If you don't take it, you'll go to prison. Where they may forcibly give you the vaccination. Really? The land of the brave and the free? Mandatory? It's coming. Tough days are coming. How do you withstand it? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus withstand everything? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, his body was weakened. Physical body was weakened by the beatings that he even fell. But his soul was never. We are not talking about the strength of the body. We are talking about the strength of the soul. He never took one inch back from his determination to go to the cross. That was the strength of the soul. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a difference. His body was weakened. Loss of blood, beating, everything. Body was weak, but his soul wasn't. And ultimately what matters is the salvation of your soul. How much have you given over to the Holy Spirit? Have you allowed him to fill you? And then again gone and cried and he showed you the depths of your depravity. Again repented, again filled, again he's able to lead you to truth, to truth, to truth. And you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this is who I was. And then he shows who you can be in Christ, the depths of God. And you say, Lord, fill me even more. Fill me even more. Fill me even more. Okay. And that's what's happening with Paul. Jesus, of course, we know with Paul. That's what's happening. One man whom God could teach us through. Okay. And the key is this. In these next days, our prayer life has to change. Prayer life. Don't worry about praying for others. Our prayer life has to change. You know? Because scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7, being in the form of God, did not consider, made himself of no. How do you make yourself of no reputation? How do you make yourself no reputation? How did Jesus make himself of no reputation? You know, he always spoke about the Father. When you speak about another one and not you, you make yourself of no reputation and him of reputation. You see that? You always spoke about the Father. He said, no, I don't do anything on my own. Don't get the dazzled. I don't do anything on my own. It is my Father. What you see, I do. What you say, I speak. He made himself of no reputation. That's the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Your name, not my name. Your name. Hallowed be your name. He's teaching us to pray. 
This is how we prayed. Lord, when this day wakes up and I step out, Lord, let me be of no reputation. Because if our name does not matter, then whatever people say to us also does not matter. Does not matter. Because everything is about a name. No, we want a name for the church. We want a name for the ministry. We want a name, 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 name. What happened? No name comes. No name. Now we want God to work through us. But God says first, can I be in you? Before I can flow through you. And the entire Lord's prayer is about being in Christ. Entire. You look in that entire prayer. Let me tell you. Do you see ministry there? There's no ministry there. No ministry there. It's life. Ministry is a result of abiding in Christ Jesus. It's a result of abiding in Christ Jesus. It's a result. There's no ministry there. The entire prayer is about life. Of being in Christ. This is how you be in Christ. And you say, when that happens, automatically there's something will happen. There's a river that will flow. And wherever it flows, it will bring forth life. And you will also know it had nothing to do with you. It was the river that was flowing. It's not you flowing in big white robes. No, you were not flowing. It was a river that was flowing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. The word is always the same, Lord. We have to come back to your spirit. Because without your spirit, there is nothing we can do. You yourself, when you walked in the flesh, said, on my own, I can do nothing. If you did everything by and through the spirit, how can we, Lord, live a life lesser than that or greater than that? It's not possible. It's not by might. It's not by power. You spoke through Zechariah. It's through by my spirit. If the cornerstone was laid by grace, the word says, the capstone also will be laid by grace. And everything in between will be the work of grace and grace alone. And grace can't be earned, Lord. It's a free gift. You have given us that gift of your Holy Spirit. Help us now, Lord, to allow him to fill our lives, our thoughts, fill our thoughts, fill our desires, fill our emotions and our feelings, and above all, to take control of our will. Like we are able to say, like you said, not my will, but your will be done. That even the will has been given over to the Holy Spirit. For you gave the spirit without measure. I pray Lord. Seven more days. For the twelfth year to end. We're moving into another year. On the first. And we will move each one. To the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is available for each one. We will long. We will thirst. We will hunger. We will cry. And I believe you will fill. You will fill. You told us in the beginning of this year to rise up and build. No one can rise and build without the Spirit. You told through Zachariah, 
It is the Spirit who builds. So, Father, I pray the cry of the 13th year will be the cry for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are tired of a trickle. We are tired of living by the Spirit and the flesh. No, we want to be one whole. And he pro- proclaimed it right in the beginning, in the first chapter. The evening and the morning was one day. And both our dark and our light should be encompassed by the Holy Spirit so that we become one whole. I pray for the church, all of our churches. The same hunger will be there. One body, many parts, but same hunger. And same infilling will take place. Everywhere. The youngest who came in yesterday, to the ones who were there in the Lord for years, for everyone. The same hunger, the same thirst, and the same infilling, Lord. Create in us, O Lord, that hunger. Create, Lord. Because it's your Holy Spirit who does the work. Commit the church into thy hands, O Lord, everywhere. We bind the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind every curse that is operating over families in the name of Jesus. Let there be a complete break of Father in their lives. Let the life of Jesus Christ flow into their children and grandchildren, Lord. Let no one die, Lord. Because we are not called to die. We are called to live and declare your works. Let no one die before their time, O Lord. Let every work of the enemy fall to the ground. Let your people come through this virus. God, make a distinction between your people and the people of the world. Let the Spirit of God live through each one. For the life of Christ is a life of victory, Lord. Change our lives, Lord. Change our prayer life, Lord. Change us, Lord. That we learn truly to pray. That the will of God will be fulfilled in each one of us. And we move from glory to glory. From the good pleasing to the perfect will of God. Because there is not much time left for your people. Prepare us, Lord. Prepare us. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Surrender this day into thy hands. The next service into thy hands. All your people into thy hands. Spirit of God, be with us. Help us to walk with you and in you. And help us not to walk apart from you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, honor, power, and praise, O Lord. For this is all about you and you alone, O Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and Amen.